Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, Pastor CJ is back with a message called Climbing Your Tree. Remember the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus climbed a tree and experienced Jesus in an amazing way. God made sure that tree was in its place, ready and waiting for his climb to meet Jesus. God has a tree for you too. Are you willing to climb it? We hope you enjoy this message. I just want to say uh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here today. And so where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of us, and he's here today. And because God is here, here's the beautiful thing. Because God is here, God doesn't just show up. When God shows up, he wants to show out. And one of the things he wants to do, he wants to show out his power, his strength, his faithfulness, his commitment to you. And so today, uh, if you're here today and you're expecting and believing for something in your life, right now we're in the atmosphere. We're in the atmosphere or the presence of the Lord where you can expect and believe what God has for you in your life. I, I always have a little song that I always sing, and we used to do this as youth pastors, and I used to get the kids involved, kind of like the actions they were doing here, but I always say, come on, get up. The king is here. There must be something in the atmosphere. I say, come on, get up. The king is here. There must be something in the atmosphere. And you know, they know it, amen. <laughs> but, you know, we used to do that. And you know what? The king is here. There must be something in the atmosphere. When God shows up, he wants to show himself out. And so I want to encourage you. You are in the atmosphere really seriously today. I'm not just saying this because if you were here in the first service, you would understand. Uh, you're in the atmosphere uh, where God is here right now to to uh, be able to minister to to you, and you have to expect that Matthew twenty one twenty two, and then I'll get into my message. Matthew twenty one twenty two says, "If you believe, that's you. It's not talking about me believing for you or somebody else believing for you. It's talking about you identifying you. If you believe, you shall receive. You shall receive whatever you ask in prayer. And so, do you believe today?" Do you believe today? And if you believe today, then guess what? Then you can expect today. You can expect today because you believe today, and you can expect because you serve a God who is not limited to time, place, or thing. And so expect your miracle and expect God to answer your prayers just like he did for mine over the last year and a half. And this individual come up to me after service, and he said, I've been searching for you, Pastor, for the last week. And so praise God, how many you know that, man, he was searching me out instead of me searching him out? Isn't that a God thing? Praise the Lord. So God, God be the glory. And... Uh, I'll just say this to you, that miracle's in the house right now, and we, Sonny, will you stand? This is my miracle. Come here. This is Sonny. Stand, Sonny. Wave your hand. Just wave your hand. This is my miracle in the house right here, right there. And God, God, this is a miracle. That is a miracle right there. And if you guys knew the backstory, you'd understand why. All right, now let's get into the sermon, and I'm just going to preach the first five little things, and then we'll get done. In Matthew chapter 19, I, and I wrote this sermon, not in regards to, uh, to Dan being at Dan's house, cutting up trees and lifting up trees. And so it's kind of funny, when we were at Dan's house, uh, we were at the table eating, because how many of you know that every time you got to go to work, you got to eat too, right? It wouldn't be work without eating. You got to have work and eat together, because it's a combination, it makes things right. And so we're at the table when we're eating, and one of the guys asked me, hey, pastor, what is the title of your sermon for tomorrow? And what a coincidence that I'm working on trees and cutting trees and stacking these things and burning trees. I said, the title of my sermon is Climbing Your Tree. 
You know, and so I'm like, what? And then they start laughing. Oh, you're kidding. No, I said, no, it's for real. Climbing your tree. And I have to make my sermon ahead of time to get it to the guys on Thursday so they can get the PowerPoints done, the sermon notes done. So I had this done, believe me you, before I went to Dan's house. So I want you to know. So climbing your tree, right? So how many of you have ever climbed trees before? Come on. We got some Tom girls in here. We loved climbing trees. And I remember as a kid, I would go to my grandfather's house, and he had all kinds of trees, right? He lived on a farm. And I would always try to climb the biggest and the tallest tree. Because how I many you know there was a competition of climbing the tree, the highest that you can go, right? You'd always want to beat out your brother or your sister or your friend that I'm going to go higher than you. Even though you were scared to death, you still wanted to go higher so that you can get closer and get farther up the tree. But then the scary part was coming down down that tree. How many remember? You know what I'm talking about? And I used to have that. I used to climb trees, and I love climbing trees. But my grandfather would always stand at the post at the end of the tree or the stump of the tree, and he would always say to me, CJ, the higher you get in the tree, the higher you get in the tree, the closer you get to God. And I never really thought about that. And my grandfather was a you know old-time Lutheran guy, and he never really went to church. His Bible was his church, and he had it on the, the coffee table. But he knew God. But he would always say, the higher you go to the tree, the closer you get to God. And, you know, I lived in Colorado, and Cheryl and I would always uh, climb mountains. Our goal was to always climb higher and, and bigger mountains that when we, we ever go on a, on a hike. And so we'd go on a hike, and we'd go on these high mountains, and one time we'd go to a 12,000-foot mountain, or we'd go to a 14,000. But every time we'd go higher to make it our goal, and then the higher we got, guess what happened? The less air you had. And they call it in Colorado that you got to get climatized. In other words, you have to get used to the oxygen because the higher you go, the less air there is, or it is harder to breathe. I remember when I first moved to Colorado, and I was in pretty good shape back then. And I just came out of basically college, and I played basketball, so I was in pretty good shape. And so I went to Mesa State College, and I began to play basketball there. And Colorado was at 10,000 feet sea level, above sea level. So it was already high as it is. And so I went to play basketball there. And, man, while I was playing basketball, I, I felt like I couldn't breathe. And next thing you know, man, I was not just breathing. I couldn't breathe. But I started spitting up blood because I was like, man, I was exhausted. I was tired. I was losing my air. And so and they said to me, said, Pastor CJ, you need to get climatized. And I realized that the further I got up the mountain, the less air I had. And you know what? I kind of equated that with God. The closer you get to God, the more overwhelming it becomes. The more overwhelming, it kind of just takes your breath away the more you get closer to God. And the higher I got in those mountains of Colorado or in the trees, it was like my breath was being taken away. How many want your breath to be taken away with more of God? I like what John the Baptist says, God, I decrease that you may increase. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, that it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. God, I want more of you and less of me. We're all Christians here today, and Christian means Christ-like. And in order to become Christ-like, it means that you have to become in the image or become the portrayal of Christ. And in order to do that, you have to take on that image or be in his presence. They say like father like son, when you're in the presence of your father or your mother like daughter. When you're in the presence of your mother or your daughter, you become like them. You become like your father. You become like your mother. Why? Because you're around your mom. You're around your dad, and you take on 
and the image and a lot of the characteristics of your father or your mother. It's the same way with Jesus. Jesus desires for us to be like him. But what is Jesus like? Jesus is full of love. Jesus is full of, unforg- full of forgiveness. Aren't you glad that you're forgiveness? You're forgiven. I'm so glad that I'm forgiven. But Jesus is full of mercy, kindness, love, and acceptance. But here was a man that I want to talk about a story that I love. I love this story because this man or this story that I'm going to talk about was me. I was a man that man was far from God. He, I heard about the Lord. How many of you know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God? But you know, this man, he heard about the Lord. But how many know that I don't just want to hear about God. I want to experience God. But in experiencing God, you're going to face obstacles. You're going to have trials. You're going to have roadblocks in your relationship with God. It's inevitable that you're going to have shortcuts and hardships and downs and pitfalls and, and roadblocks and all these different things that will try to hinder you from God. But here was a man who was a chief sinner. He was a chief tax collector. And it says in Luke 19, verses 1 through 9, I love this story. Jesus entered Jericho. Now, I don't know about you, but just that in itself, by Jesus entering Jericho, would bring a bunch of commotion. Can you imagine Jesus walking into here right now? Could you imagine what this place would, ha- what would happen? Even though he's not physically here, he really is here. But if we saw him physically, this place would light up even more. Why? Because we are a show-me type of people. You show me first, then I'll believe it. But that's not faith. Faith is a substance of things unseen, but things hoped for. You see, so many times we build our relationship by what we see. But God doesn't want you to build your relationship on what you see, it's what you know, what you sense, and what you believe. That God, you are alive. You are a risen Savior. You live within my heart. You redeem me. You set me free. And now today, I am a child of God. How many know that's what God wants us to do, right? But here, Jesus entered into Jericho and was passing through. Now, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Now, if you know anything about Zacchaeus, he was not anywhere near God. But he heard about God, and his curiosity grew about who is this Jesus. And because he heard about God and he saw some of the results about God, he wanted to experience God. I hear a lot of times Christians say to me, Pastor, I don't just want to hear about God anymore. I've been a Christian all my life. I've been this Christian man man, for many, many years. And, I, man, I hear people say all this stuff about God. But I myself have never even experienced a miracle. I myself have man, heard about the great things God does, but I myself have never experienced a miracle. Well, his curiosity grew. Even though he was, not, he was a sinner, his curiosity grew. And he goes on to say, Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector. Why did people hate him? People hated him because he was always taking from them. He was always taking from them. Man, if you somebody t- took from you, aren't you going to get mad at them? You know what? Sometimes we have people in our lives that are always making withdrawals in our lives. They're always making withdrawals from us. 
They're always taken from us. They're never putting back deposits in your life. If you wonder sometimes, why do I have men just feel tired, feel discouraged, feel defeated? Maybe it's because you're giving out withdrawals instead of making deposits. Maybe you have people in your life that are always draining you, taking from you, stealing from you. Man, always, man, man, bankrupting you emotionally. You need people in your life that can speak into your life and make deposits in your life. That's why Proverbs 27 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. So ask yourself the question, what type of people are you associating with? Do you have depositors or do you have people that are always making withdrawals? And what happens is here was the chief tax collector that was always making withdrawals from the people. So the people were already up in arms towards him. I don't know about you, but I my cabin in Voyager Village and we have some previous board members from our other church that also have cabins in Voyager Village. So we all kind of migrated to Voyager Village from our previous church in Minneapolis. And so what happened was Voyager Village is kind of funny because they don't have restrictions. Like we are on taxes there. They just can raise the fees, right? And so they raise the fees. And so because they raise the fees there at Voyager Village, now the people at Voyager Village, there's a lot of them up in arms, including me. Because you know why? They're always taking. So you can see what was going on there with the people, the tax collector. And now watch this, the second part of that, and he was wealthy. Can you imagine what the people were saying? Yeah, he's wealthy because he's taken from me. He's wealthy because he's taken my taxes. He's wealthy because, man, he took my last dollar and he went out and brought that new car or he went out and brought that new boat or whatever. So he's wealthy because of me. So you can see the animosity that the people had towards Zacchaeus, right? So watch this. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Then he goes on to say, when Jesus reached the spot, everybody notice that, the spot. The spot is your destiny, your place and where God wants to meet you at. Maybe today, maybe today your spot is now. Maybe God wants to meet you right now where you're at. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you need a miracle in your life. Today could be your spot where God can meet you right where you're at. Where is your spot? Your spot could be at home. Your spot could be on the job. Your, jo your spot could be in the grocery store. Your spot could be at the gas station. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Where is your spot where God can meet you. When he came to the spot, the spot where Zacchaeus was, when he came to the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and this is what happened. They were mad. Why? Because here he was. He was taking from, he was making withdrawals instead of deposits. He was taking from, taking from. They were mad. You're taking my last dollar. I can't feed my kids. You're taking my last dollar to pay your taxes. Now you're wealthy. So they had this animosity. All the people saw this and began to what? To mutter. As he'd gone to be with the guest of sinners. Has he gone to be with a guest of sinners? He's the chief tax collector. Jesus, don't you understand? How many know that Jesus doesn't care who you are, what you've done, and where you come from? He accepts you for who you are. 
But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, look, Lord, here now I give half of all my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will repay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. In other words, Zacchaeus' house, because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. If you have your notes, what sometimes hinders us from getting closer to God? You ever thought about that? Why do other people get closer to God and I can't? Why do other people seem to experience God? They always have the Holy Ghost goosebumps, if you want to say. Why does always people seem to get closer and I don't? Well, Zacchaeus had to fight through some steps in life. And maybe this is you. Number one, if you have your notes, he didn't care about his position or who he was. You see, so many times what hinders people from receiving the fullness that God has for their lives is that you're so concerned about your position and who you are. You're so concerned about what people will think and what people will say and what it's going to look like. I'm this person. I'm the president of this or I'm the president of that. And I can't let people see my weakness because of who I am. And because sometimes we have titles and we have things that we have been badged with, we we are hindered from going forward with God. You see, a police officer is just a normal guy until he puts on the uniform. And when he puts on the uniform, guess what? You and I start to tremble, think he's going to pull us over and give us a ticket. But before that, he's just a normal guy. And you know what? God doesn't look for people that have ability. He looks for people who have availability. And God looks for each and every one of you just as you are. God didn't create you with a title. God created you with a name. And the name that he gave you is a name that he knows you as. It's not the president of this. It's not the president of that. But it's Dave. It's Gail. It's Molly. That's who God identifies you as. So when you come to God, you need to take off your position, your badge, your status and say, God, I'm coming to you just as I am. I'm Dave. I'm Gail. I'm Molly. I'm coming to you just as I am. But so many times we have barriers that hinder us from getting closer to God. Amen. The second thing that's there is this. He was hungry and didn't care about what others thought. You know, so many times we're so concerned about what others think, amen? You know, how many of us really seriously, sometimes we live our lives, seriously, I want you to hear this, it's very crucial. So many times we live our lives trying to please others than trying to please God. And you know what? I've learned through ministry that there's no way that I'm going to be able to please, as we had a while back, 621 people. I know that I'm not going to be able to please all 621 people. But one thing I know that I can be pleasing to is God. That God is my barometer. God is my direction. God is my course of action. And if I please God through the attributes and the characteristics of God that lives in me, that lives in me and also lives in you, it's going to please others. That they're going to see the fruit of Christ in me. That Jesus said, I don't want to know you. He said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and fellowship and the suffering. In other words, what he's saying, let people see Jesus in me. I'm not here to please 
please you, but I'm here to please him. And sometimes in pleasing God, you're going to make other people mad at you. And you know what? If you make other people mad at you and they reject you, then I learned this. They're not your friend. They're just maybe one of those that like to withdraw from you and try to control you. And sometimes people control you by their words, actions, deeds, and thoughts that they say about you. And so many times you're so concerned about what others think of you that it robs you or forfeits you from the blessings that God has in your life. Somebody say amen. amen. Isn't that true? Another thing he did, he didn't allow his height to stop him. Here he was short. How many of us really are hindered by going to God because we don't feel adequate? We don't feel worthy. We don't feel good enough. We don't feel pretty enough. We don't feel this and we don't feel that. I can't talk. I can't speak. I'm, I'm this and I'm that. And so we always have something that holds us back from getting closer to God. You know, I've learned something a long time ago, that God created you fearfully and wonderfully, and he made you into his very own image. And so because of that verse, I realized something. God doesn't make junk. He makes precious rubies. So today, guess what? In this congregation today, we are all rubies in God's eyes. And God doesn't look at your flaws or your frailties or their mistakes or your mishaps or even your big nose. God doesn't look at that. God looks at your heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And God said, listen, don't let your flaw, which God made you perfect, but you, now you get this, but you labeled yourself with a flaw. You made yourself feel inadequate. You made yourself feel ugly. You made yourself have a low self-esteem. God said, listen, lift up your head. He's the one that lifts you up out of the muck and mire and gives you a firm foundation to stand. Let me ask you something. What is holding you back from going to God? Is it your personality? Is it your past? Is it this or that? What is the excuses that you're making that I can't go to God? God said, you come just as you are. I love this one. Another number four, he didn't wait for the crowd or others. He made his own way. You see, so many times we want to wait for things to happen. We want to wait and make sure that everything comes together. Everything comes to this has got to happen first before that happens. If that don't happen, then I can't do this. But if this happens, then I'll do that. And we're always waiting for the right moment. You know what? God's timing is not your timing. God's thoughts are not your thoughts. God works in different ways than what you and I work in. And what God does, he says, listen, I'm going to work it out. You just come. Come as you are. Just come as you are. He didn't wait for others. Just like the person at the pool of Bethesda, he was there at the edge of the pool of Bethesda. He kept, what he kept saying, I can't get in. The crowd keeps keeping me out. I can't get in. For years, he was at, always at the edge of the pool. I can't get in. Always made excuses. Always said this. Always worried about the crowd. What is it going to happen? Is it falling into place? And I love this, the reward of his presence in verse 5. What did Elijah or Jesus say to Zacchaeus? I'm coming to your house. You see, when you fight through the barriers of these obstacles, maybe you're something frailty, maybe, like I said, you're worried about your position, you're worried about what other people think, you're too, you, you're, you, you, you don't allow them in, all these things. When Zacchaeus got to the place, I don't care, I don't care, God came to his house. God came to his house. What did he say? He got to the spot, 
And when he got to the spot, Zacchaeus come down from that tree. Immediately he came down. Jesus said, Murray, I'm coming to your house. And what Andy, God wants to do, he wants to come to our house. And the reason why God wants to come to our house is because he loves you. He's made you fearfully and wonderfully. He's adopted you as a son and his daughter, and he wants you to have the full riches in which he has for you. But sometimes you are neglecting or forfeiting the blessings that God has for your life because you're so worried about your position, what others think, maybe the frailty of who you are, your height, your weight, whatever, and you're worried about the crowd. But when you get through all that, God will meet you at your spot. That's why he says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says this, don't you know that you yourself are God's temple? He's talking about you, are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. Wow. Man, isn't that that God dwells in your midst? In other words, if you were junk and you are what you think you are, do you really think that God would come to you? God doesn't make junk. He makes the best. And when he makes the best, he'll come to your house. So you need to say, thank you, Jesus, that you dwell and live in me. In Romans 2.11, he says this, for God does not show favoritism. God will come to your house if you're willing to accept him and open up the door. That's why Jesus said, behold, behold, I stand at your door, the heartstring of your heart, and I knock. Somebody yesterday came to my house. I was just ready to get in the shower. And let me tell you, how many know what I'm talking about? You're getting ready to get in the shower, and all of a sudden the doorbell rings. You, now you know you can't see them, but you're like, honey, you get the door. No, you get the door. Because she's, no. Finally, my wife got the door. Thank you, Jesus. But you know what? You, you can tell when somebody knocks at the door because the doorbell rang. You know what? Jesus is knocking at your heart. And the reason why he's knocking at your heart maybe right now is because he wants to come in. He doesn't want to be a spectator. He doesn't want to be one that's on the outside looking in. He wants to be a participator of your heart. He wants to dwell and live and move within you. Why? Because he's not a God of favoritism. He doesn't like one over the other. He likes us all. I close with this last verse. In Luke 19, verse 10, he says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was the whole motive of why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost because Jesus doesn't want any to perish. He's a jealous God. He's a jealous God because he created you fearfully and wonderfully. He's a jealous God because he doesn't want to lose anyone. He doesn't want to lose you. But sometimes he loses us because we're unwilling to fight through the crowd. We're unwilling to climb the tree. We're unwilling to go higher with God. We like where we're at, our status quo relationship with God. Don't turn up the burners, God. I'm comfortable right where I'm at. I'm comfortable. I'm happy. But with God, the burners are always turned up. You see, do you ever understand why the Bible says the Holy Spirit? One of the attributes of the Holy Spirit is fire. And whenever you get around fire, what does it do? It turns up the temperature. And what happens when it turns up the temperature? It gets you hot. 
And when temperature moves in you, it gets you hot. It burns away the drop in your life, those things in your life that God wants to burn away so he can bring back new. I close with this. I was reading a documentary on the, the um, Colorado, not Colorado, but Yellowstone National Park. How many of you read that documentary on Yellowstone National Park about the fires? And uh, when the fires used to come through the Yellowstone, it, they used to, man, right away panic and get on it right away and try to drown the fire and put out the fire. And, man, they would get in there and work, and, man, until they finally got it out, they put out fire lines and all this stuff. But then they realized something, that they let the fires go. They, they, they started to let the fires go. And uh, once they let the fires go, yeah, they understand that it was hurting some of the animals and stuff. But what was happening was when they let the fires go, it was cleaning the floor of the forest. And so what it was doing, it was burning away all the old debris, all the old wood, all the old salvage from trees, whatever. It was burning all that away. And then within the year, all of a sudden, new life started coming back. And so they learned that when the fire came and burned away, new life came. And sometimes God wants to burn away in you, in you, the old, so that he can bring new. That's why Jesus says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old, the Holy Spirit burnt away, the old is gone, and the new has come. The new comes by responding to the knock. Will you stand with me today? Responding to the knock. God, I want to respond to the knock. I'm not going to ask you to come forward today, but I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and do me a favor and bow your heads. We had 15 kids on Wednesday night give saved, and I want to give the opportunity for those here today with no one looking around. This is a very sacred time, but you say, Pastor, I want to respond to the knock. I want to respond to the knock. I want to respond to the knock. I want to accept Jesus in my heart. I want to burn away the old. I want new to come. That's you. There's already hands going up. That's if it's you. Just lift your hand. Yes, I see a hand, another hand, another hand. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I want to respond to the knock. Just lift your hand up. Nobody's looking around. That's between you and me. No one's looking around. Another hand. Yes. Yes. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I want to respond to the knock. I see another hand. Yes. Anyone else? Yes, another hand just went up. Anyone else? Seven hands so far. Anyone else? Yes, another hand. Eight. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, another hand. Nine. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I want to respond to the knock. I want to respond to the knock. Nine hands. Anyone else? Come on. I know there's more. That God, yes, another one just went up. Ten. Anyone else? Another one right over here. Eleven. Another one right here. Twelve. Still going up. Twelve hands so far. Still going up. I'm going to count to three. Don't miss this call. I'm not here to embarrass you. I want to just pray for you right where you're at. I'm not even going to see you. Another hand. Eleven. Another hand. Thirteen. Another hand. Fourteen. Another hand. Fifteen. Going up. Still going up. Sixteen. Another hand. Sixteen hands so far. Anyone else? I say, Pastor, I want to respond to the knock. He's knocking at my heart. One, I'm going to count to three. Don't miss this call. I'm just going to pray over 18 right here. 19, 17. There's another one back there. 19. Anyone else? Say, Pastor. 
Yes, yeah, right over here. Another one right over here. 20. God bless you. God bless Look at you. God blessing you. Look at that. 20 hands. Anyone else? Two. Don't miss this call. Yes, another one right there. God bless you, young lady. God bless you. 21 hands. Three. You may put them down. You look at me for a moment. Guys, in this place right now, there were 21 hands just raised. Come on. Here's what I want to do. We're all family here today, right? I want us to pray this out loud together. Because I believe there's other people that wanted to raise their hands. Maybe they didn't, but that's okay. But I want us to pray this together. And what this prayer is, is an invitation to accept Jesus into your heart. He only will come in if you invite him. He's not a locksmith. He won't pick into your heart. He only comes in by invitation. So can we pray this prayer together? Heavenly Father, come into my heart. Forgive me of my wrongs, my faults, and my failures. I make you today the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Father, that today I am made new in you. I give you praise and I give you glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, now give the Lord praise. Amen. 21 new people. Hallelujah. All right. Lord, bless the food at the picnic today. Go with us and let us have a great time. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com, and click on the Give tab. Thank you for your generous gift.